Have you ever noticed how we're different and the same and the same and we're different and we're different and the same? All kinds of people. On the Talk of Muncie, WMUN, All Kinds of People, hosted by Dr. Joe Mashevitz, getting to know the people of Muncie and Delaware County, Indiana, in a way you've never heard before. It's another way we're using our voice to build our community from Woof Boom Radio and 92.5 FM, 1340 AM, WMUN. Here's your host, Dr. Joe. Good, good morning, everybody. Welcome to all kinds of people. And I am totally delighted to have Marilyn Weaver with me this morning. I was quite fortunate enough to spend 20 years of my time at Ball State working with Marilyn. And Marilyn, welcome to all kinds of people. Thank you, Joe, for having me. Thanks for heading out to the big Woof Boom studios. Oh, Thank you. My pleasure. I got to jump right in because um, one of the things that you mentioned as we were preparing for this that your grandfather headed to Muncie in 1897, and I'm just quite fascinated by your take on the history of that and the length that the family's been tied into Muncie. Well, my grandfather came here to uh, work with uh, the Knox family when it was Knox. Uh, five and Dime, I believe it was called, okay. prior to Woolworths. Oh, um, okay. The two merged together at some point. But, uh, yes, he came here from New York, and uh, the, the, he was, his cousin was Frank Knox, actually, and so they came here to open the first store on uh, Walnut and Charles, I believe it was. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay, so, um, and then um, you went off to Muncie Central High School. Mm-hmm. Um, curious about memories besides going through some of the drive-ins that became Berkey's and Orr's <laughs> and et cetera, et cetera. But some of the memories from that and maybe involvement that led you into thinking about a teaching career? Yes. Um, and cruising South Madison was a lot of fun in those days. <laughs> Can't believe it now that I would say that, but yes, that was a that was a lot of fun with uh, my girlfriends and cranking up the radio and John's drive-in, Orv's, Carter's, all that stuff. Yeah. Yes, it was it was great. It was great, but uh, I was involved in journalism at Muncie Central. Um, Ed Henderson was the wonderful advisor there, and I had him for an English class, and Ed said why don't you consider joining the newspaper? Take, sign up for the journalism class next semester. At the semester Munsonian? At the Munsonian. And uh, I was so taken with the fact that he thought I had some talent. Was it also unusual at the time for a woman to be into the journalism scene? Not really at the high school level. Okay. okay. It was as many men as women for the most part. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it was just that faith he had in me that made me feel so good. And I think that's why high school journalism is important because it allows students to build some confidence in an area perhaps good they're point. not prepared for or they think they're going to go into that area. So um, I was flattered. And so I did it, I got involved, and met a lot of cool kids, and we had a great time working on the newspaper there. Okay, 
And um, obviously that led to you pursuing the degrees um, um, at did. Ball State. It did. And, and I think you mentioned that you had to work your way through school. Thank you. So there were times when you had to call time out to also work to put right. the money back into the tuition. Right, right. I, I did put myself through school for the most part. And I worked at the um, li local library branch. And that was my way of making enough tuition money to stay in school. And if when it ran out, well, I just laid out a, or a quarter at that time. We were on quarter system. So I would stay out, make enough money to go back. And then you went back for a master's degree. And then you went back for an EDS degree. I did. All three. Yes. Um, hoping to go on to a journalism career as opposed to teaching? You ended up teaching in high school for a while. I did, and I think uh, I didn't really consider a journalism career, professional journalism, because I felt like my role was to give students that same kind of confidence that I had oh, to okay. build their skills, yeah. to build their view of themselves, perhaps. And uh, I, I think what we teach in high school journalism is, is really life skill. Um, writing, interviewing, researching, all of those things that make students better, not just in journalism, but makes them better students, makes them more educated individuals. Take, take that life skill just a little further, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What, what do you really mean by that in terms of them getting to know about themselves and, and their skill sets? Well, they're going to take writing, interviewing, all of those kinds of things, the, the inquiry, um, into any career that they go into. I don't care if you are, um, I don't know, let's say a cashier in a store. You're just going to career. have to interact with people, and that's something we learn to do in journalism. We learn to follow-up questions we do all Gather of these kind of things it's just a, a a life skill i don't know another way to say that but uh it it makes them a better person and okay. it gives them okay. more security more understanding of the world Some of themselves good self confidence maybe yes along the way mm -hmm. yeah so what what made you kind of take a look at teaching at the university level after doing it at high school? A bit of a fluke, actually. <laughs> uh, I was on a medical leave, and uh, Dr. Lewis Engelhart, who was the, the chair of the department at that time, or wasn't a department yet, but was the, the chair of the program, asked me if I would consider helping out on some classes and doing some other work particularly with the high school journalism workshops. Okay. So since I was not working full-time at that point, uh, I joined the faculty at Ball State and uh, as a temporary and never left. Yeah, he had quite a career there, by the way. Summer workshops, I made several notes about summer workshops because during my time at Ball State with you, um, I was always intrigued by the summer workshops. Um, at some point in time, we're talking about some 23,000 people going through those workshops, not only from the United States, but from a variety mm -hmm. of other countries. And what was it like seeing that program start, which you jumped in sort of part-time with, but all of a sudden, it, it consumed your summers, thank you. Well, it consumed much of my year preparing, <laughs> preparing for preparing the summer. Everything. But uh, it was a wonderful experience, and I'm so fortunate to have had that opportunity. I started out teaching 
uh, a diversity workshop at the uh, workshops in the summer in the beginning. And a former student teacher of mine was in the director at the time. So okay. he asked me to come in and, and teach uh, this program to primarily minority students from around the state. So we, I started there, and uh, then the person who was directing left. I was the local person, so it was handy hmm. that I could be here and take over the reins of that program. So I started out with uh, directing the news portion, the okay. newspaper portion of the workshop, and then uh, went on to direct it. So I, I ran that for about 25 years. And when you mentioned diversity, that really is something that had an early jump on what we now deal with daily with diversity programs. Mm -hmm. Do you recall how that all came about and why the emphasis was there? Well, this is something nationally that we were beginning to realize that we didn't have all of the voices being heard in the media. And we found that it was important that we have a deeper understanding of minority issues, uh, contributions of minorities to our world of journalism. So we um, felt the need to offer special programs to encourage young students to come into the program with a diverse background. Quite innovative, by the way, at that time, to say the least. Yes, and we had some good support from the uh, Dow Jones newspaper organization okay. at the time. They helped fund it and bring some of those students here. Okay. Um, it's interesting, I, I'm still Facebook friends with a couple of those kids, and so we, I still see what be, they're doing. That's going to be good memories. Yeah. Very good. We're with Marilyn Weaver, everybody. Um, spent much of her career at Ball State as the chair of the journalism department, and we'll be back with some more chat with Marilyn after this break. Daily WMUN Delaware County Today Radio Show with Steve Lindell. Hi, uh, my name is Nicolette Terrashano. I'm a planetarium assistant at the Charles W. Brown Planetarium. I'm an undergrad at Ball State University. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot going on out in space. That's part of the reason I chose to study it. You never run out of things to look for. His name is Samuel Sermon. Radio is still one of the most leading platforms where misinformation isn't there. Like, there's still a strong trustworthiness um, in what we're saying they're speaking truth to power and for people to kind of like sometimes worry about oh is it still relevant it's still this that and the other oh it's very relevant still very prevalent and it has a responsibility here in 2023 weekdays 8 till 9 a.m on the talk of muncie 92.5 fm 1340 a.m and free streams alexa command Play WMUN. At the Home Depot, we know the world is a messy place. Keeping it clean takes science. That's why businesses everywhere have long trusted cleaning products from Ecolab to take on the toughest messes. And now, that level of clean is available for your home. Introducing Ecolab Scientific Clean, a full line of professional grade cleaning products for all your home's needs. So you can clean like you mean business. Now available exclusively at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Ray Maliazzi here for eBay Motors. 
Okay, easy now. You're teaching a kid how to parallel park. Ouch! <laughs> Turns out he likes to do it by feel. <laughs> Don't worry, eBay Motors has bumpers, taillights, trunk lids, license plate holders, 122 million parts. Pull up just a little bit. And headlights. <laughs> They've got lots of headlights. Get the right parts at the right prices. eBay Motors, let's ride. Every six minutes, a utility line is damaged by reckless digging. So Indiana relies on 811 superheroes like Steve the Plumber. I contact 811 before I do my work. Mary the Gardener. Before I plant a tree, I contact 811. And Mike the Landscaper. I dig for a living, but always contact 811. Prevent damages or injury. Call 811 or go online, indiana811.org. Sponsored by the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission, this station, and the Indiana Broadcasters Association. Hi, I'm Muncie Mayor Dan Ridenauer, and I'm betting on a winning IDEA conference March 4th at Ball State University. It's going to be a full house of community leaders who are excited about coming together to listen, learn, and roll the dice on great ideas. It's an opportunity to meet the high rollers stepping up as candidates for the local 2023 elections. And I will be putting all my cards on the table for the State of the City presentation. For more information about the 8th Annual IDEA Conference, please go to MuncieNeighborhoods.org. Hi, this is Pete Dahl with Sheriff Goslin Roofing. Winter is hard on all of us, but it's especially hard on the outside of your home. Extreme temperatures are really tough on an aging roof, and Sheriff Goslin is here to help. Remember, we can work with your insurance company, and if needed, of course, we offer financing for those who qualify. So if you need Sheriff Goslin Roofing, remember to call Pete Dahl, y'all. Quality work since 1906. Sheriff Goslin Roofing. This morning, our country's Pledge of Allegiance is presented by Gaddis Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram in Muncie. Hello, my name is Jill Wabel. I'm the commander at American Legion Post 492, veteran from United States Army Reserve from 2003 to 2009. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. This morning's Pledge of Allegiance was brought to you by our friends at Gaddis Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. WMUN's All Kinds of People. Back to Dr. Joe. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we're with Marilyn Weaver today, and Marilyn uh, was the chairperson of journalism at Ball State University. Marilyn, you and husband Roy Weaver, who was the dean of the Teachers College, um, do a lot of traveling. Um, some of that travel, I'm quite sure, is for the two of you just online and relax. However, I, I really have been quite fascinated by your Afghanistan journalism work, some of the stuff you've done in Turkey, Malaysia, Dubai. I wonder if you could just kind of sit back and reflect not only on those experiences, but the potential impact it had on people over there and maybe the profession. It was a very big uh, deal for me, certainly. Uh, how, I, did, how did it start? Well, I had retired, and uh, the university received a grant for over a million dollars from the State Department okay. uh, to improve Afga uh, Afghanistan journalism at one of the universities. There were five different universities that they they targeted uh, to receive this funding. So was this like to build curriculum at the university? It was to build curriculum. It was to provide them new technology to okay. bring things up to today's standards 
uh, although we didn't understand at the time how short they were of coming up to today's standards. Um, Their needs were unique, and uh, we weren't always prepared for that. But it was a wonderful experience, and I think the the one thing that was most important for me is how I personally grew from that experience because I got to meet people unlike myself um, to have compassion for to figure out how to best educate, how to guide, how to lead these folks into to today's journalism because they were p- pretty behind the times compared to what we're doing here. So they weren't into the technology as much as we are. The delivery of information was very different. And so I learned a lot about them. They learned a lot about us. And it was a, a mutual growth, I think. The curriculum at the end of the day, I believe was much better. And certainly the training that the faculty had was excellent. We we sent professors over to do workshops, not in Afghanistan, but in neutral territories. And that's how we got to Malaysia and Turkey and and Dubai, because we had to find areas that were safe for all of us to, to go. Okay. We only went to Afghanistan one time, and that was to kind of survey and see what things were like the needs there. were? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you recall when you first got there how, I don't want to say far behind, but some of the things they were really lacking in that had an impact? Yes. Uh, I was not prepared for radio stations being run off of fuel uh, that oh, was some, sometimes not available. Fortunately, we don't have to check the gas tank here. Yeah, so so the whole infrastructure was so weak, and uh, I don't know that we were able to change that much because, you know, they have huge power outages, and they have to be prepared for that. Um, So there were so many things affecting their ability to deliver news and to train their students in delivering. When we uh, walked in and we were in a small studio— uh, Terry Heifetz was with us at the time, oh, and Terry, I know okay. I could see his his look on his face as we walked in, and their whole studio was a, a little miniature um, soundboard, very small, very, very small. looked like a toy, probably a portable type. Yes, thing. very portable, uh, and their chairs were plastic chairs like we have out on our lawns. That was where people sat. I mean, it was just a whole feeling of how do they do this? How do they? How do they train students to go out into the world with such primitive kinds of uh, equipment? So we were very helpful in in doing that. We bought them cameras. We bought them uh, all kinds of uh, software and other things to to bring them up to speed. And then did the training with some of that stuff? We did the training with those. On top of that. Yes, because it was important that the faculty members knew how to use the equipment first. Do you, by chance, still stay in touch with any of those people? I do. I do. In fact, uh, the individual that was our sort of on-the-ground fellow, uh, I talk to all the time, and we've been very um, fortunate to be able to try to get him moving forward on another advanced degree. We're trying to get him to Ball State. Uh, we've worked for three or four years now trying to get this man out of Afghanistan so he can come here and work on his Ph.D., um, so we continue to be supportive, Tied and certainly it. when things went bad in, in Afghanistan most recently, I heard from all of them, of course, wanting support and getting out and, and 
them sharing their stories of how they were being treated and it was, it was just really horrendous but so we we do keep in touch and i think the thing that i learned the very most about should have known i'm i'm sure i did know in my head but not in my heart that we are all alike as people as people these men wanted their families to be safe their children to be educated to have food on their table they wanted what every american wants and so they really weren't different. They didn't have the skills that we perhaps would have liked for them to have, but they had the desire. They wanted to teach and make the world better, just as we do. There's no difference in us when it comes down to it. I was cautioned going into it about, don't, don't be, pre be prepared for them not to like you because you're a woman. Mm. And I thought, what? What I you know I've worked in this world all my life and right. and I, as a woman I've been accepted, um, but I didn't find that to be true. They were very accepting. They took what I said and, and they wanted to ran learn. with they it. Wanted and to they were happy to work with me. Yeah, I can't imagine the emotions <laughs> involved in that kind of work, and then coming back home, knowing that progress was being made, but. You couldn't bring them all back with you right. to really right. have it made. It's been very emotional for me because, uh, you know, they tell me about things that happen. Um, I can sense that in the voice, by the way, as you're telling this. Yes, but, yeah. yes. Um, you know, they're threatened. One of my guys was uh, interrogated um, tremendously, shocked with electricity. Um, the Taliban felt that he was a spy, okay. which of course made us just sort of laugh because he couldn't have been any different than that kind of a person, you know. But they, they got it in their heads, he, he's a spy, and I, I guess a spy for Ball State. I don't know, I just found that almost ridiculous. But um, but he was a, he's a good man, and uh, he has suffered tremendously because he worked with us, sure. and that bothers me terribly. Yeah. I mean, there are moments that I think I almost wish we hadn't done it because it exposed some people to danger in a way that they had not been exposed okay. before, simply because some of them came to Ball State, so therefore they must be bad. Yeah. So uh, it, it's been eye-opening. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that because it's, I guess I made a note to myself that that whole Afghanistan thing fascinated me um, I've done some work with Terry Heifetz. He's talked about it too. But um, as you sit back and reflect um, on your 14 years as chair, are there two or three things that you find yourself sitting back saying, you know, this was cool. We got this done during my time at Ball State. Absolutely. And I, the one item that stands out to me is um, – the fact that we started working together with the telecommunications, then telecommunications department, and cooperating in a way that helped all of us move into the future, uh, the future from that time. Uh, we know that things are merging more all the time, cross-platform delivery of information. You were very influential in opening those doors, by well, the way. Thank you. Thank you. But I, all I did was try to expose people to what's being done 
And you may recall we did some traveling and uh, saw what was happening in Chicago, for example. Yes. So it was more of a educating the faculty here to see what's going on in the world yep. and what the needs are for the future. I think we were teaching to what was and not what was going to, was be. Going to be. And we had to move forward. We had a visitor come in and evaluate curriculum at one point, and he said to me, you know, you're teaching the same journalism they taught in 1950. And I thought, oh, my gosh, <laughs> we, we cannot do, do that. We cannot do that. So that was sort of my wake-up call to say, hmm, we need to do, do better. I can see you in your office grabbing your head saying, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did because I really didn't think it was that bad, but he did, so... We've been with Marilyn Weaver, everybody. And Marilyn, I so appreciate you coming in and sharing some of the aspects of your career and a little bit of your family history in Muncie. I hope you've enjoyed it, everybody. And I hope you tune back in again next week for All Kinds of People.